The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another Q&A session here on the Green Room app, the Spotify Green Room app, formerly the Locker Room app. Always welcome to join us on Saturday mornings at 10.30 a.m. as we talk Detroit Lions news and take your questions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the co-host of these Locker Room sessions and your editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, are my two co-hosts for these Q&A sessions. First, we got Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P-O-D, senior editor for Pride of Detroit. How you doing, Ryan? That is the best introduction you've ever given me entire life. I feel a little flustered. I, I you know what? I you now that you've you know recognized it, I, I'm I'm going to be completely off my game the rest of the time. But it, yeah, that that felt like a solid intro. It was, it was good. Let's see you follow up with Eric's. <laughs> okay, uh, Eric's a good guy, <laughs> and he works for the site. Um, no, our our managing editor at Pride of Detroit. Uh, you can find him at Eric with a K underscore Schlitt. Uh, Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm uh, enjoying the uh, the birds in uh, in Ryan's background again. <laughs> you want you want to give us a little little taste of that, Ryan? Speak to me, baby birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like we're getting ready for the Masters. It was pleasant uh, last week. I thought it was. There you go. There's, See, yeah, it's there, re- oh yeah, it's, we got a little there. Very calming. I think it's perfect. It's a Saturday morning coffee chat. We're just talking oh, yeah. lions. <laughs> I enjoy it. Oh, Fair enough. Wait, you know what? We can parlay this into a nice segue. Don't the Lions have an opportunity to take down every bird team in the NFL this year? <laughs> they do. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we can turn that into a big discussion. But yes, those are facts. There is it. Every bird team that they're playing. Is it the? Uh, is is it the predatory birds? I don't know. It's something <laughs> like that. Are there any non-predatory right. birds in yeah. the NFL? Yeah. The New York, the New Jersey hummingbirds. <laughs> Yay, the offseason. Yes, as, as you can tell, we are in the midst of the offseason. Don't have a ton uh, of topics that we have to talk about, but that's the beauty of this thing is that we take your questions and anything you guys are eager to talk about. And so far, the speaker requests are working this week, so we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, Daniel is our first one up. Daniel, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, guys. So I know we don't have a lot of news, new news to talk about. So I just thought we'd maybe try to 
slice it a different way because we always talk about, you know, we talk about who's going to make it in this position group or that position group. So uh, I thought maybe we might look at it from the point of view of who's going to make it on the basis of special teams. Uh, Not like the punter and the kicker so much because I think we know where that's going. But, um, you know, who are those who are those uh, down roster spots? And, uh, you know, maybe going back to what you saw in the OTAs, who, who looks like they uh, are going to be real contributors there? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to throw it to you first. There too, <laughs> because, I'm muted. <laughs> yeah, uh, because, yeah, I mean, that's something that I know you focus a lot on during OTAs and minicamps specifically for this reason. Right. Because a lot of yeah. roster spots are won through special teams. So, yeah, I guess maybe you're it, obviously it's hard to kind of um analyze how they how they're doing in special teams drills but i guess their usage and, and maybe order of reps um is a good indication of where things stand going into training camp so so what have you noticed so far yeah i i didn't have uh i didn't spend a, a, a ton of time watching but i did take some notes here and there on some on some certain key positions now obviously we're all familiar with like the gunners and how you have two gunners uh on on punts and then you typically those guys repeat on kickoffs as well and so those guys are you know first guys down the field and so they draw a lot of attention it's easy to kind of see who, uh, you know, who's going to make it or break it. Last year, uh, Tony McRae made the roster almost solely on the fact that he was a, a, a really good gunner. Years past, we've seen D. Virgin uh, make it as well. Um, from the guys that are currently on the roster, I'd say Mike Ford is the one that's the most established. Uh, sure. He's never really been a full-time gunner, but he's always been able to contribute part-time there. Uh if he wins the nickel job, though, I wonder how much he'll be asked to be the gunner as well. Um, it's not, you know, on, it's 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 something that could easily help him secure a spot. Um, but I think Mike's probably in a good spot regardless either way. If we're yeah. looking beyond, like, just the gunner, though um, – I think one of the most important spots is the uh, personal protector. Now that's the guy who stands behind the center, but in front of Jack Fox. And he's like kind of the, the last guy uh, to prevent like a, um, if someone's coming in, if they have a punt block on or something like that. Right. And the guy who has done that, uh, last year and uh, was doing taking the reps there this year with the first team is C.J. Moore. And so right. C.J. Moore wasn't in the two deep of the safeties, but he was at he was the first guy there on um, on the special teams as the personal protector. And that's a really important role. Um, Will Harris, they tried him that that spot last year and uh, if you remember that was like the one punt block that he that was allowed. Um, uh, maybe it was the year before, but regardless, um, you know, they, they've tried different guys there. CJ Moore is really good at it. And so I think CJ is a guy who will probably be like a, a fifth safety slash big time special teamer. Um, like I said, I like Mike Ford there. Uh, Amos, the undrafted rookie free agent, has a lot of speed. He could be a backup return guy. Uh, it's possible he makes that. But from from OTAs and, and whatnot, we really haven't seen anything but just drills. And so, right. and that's they're throwing everybody at the at the fence for that. So it's not like anybody was really standing out as um, you know ahead of someone else. But if you're a fringe guy. 
like uh, like CJ Moore, and you can hold a really important role. Yeah, you're gonna make you can make this roster and 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 live in the NFL for years based on this one really good thing that you do. Sure, no question. I mean, we've seen it from from players in the past here in Detroit, and you know, even Jalen Reeves Maben has been kind of one oh, of yeah. those guys yeah, for yeah, for a long time. Miles Killebrew, mm-hmm. um, just kind of a long history of that. And I guess the only other you know special teams battle that that's definitely you know going to kind of take a, a front and center seat during uh, training camp is is the punt return battle, right? The punt return kick return battle between. Yeah, I would say right now it's probably just between two guys. Maybe maybe that opens up a little bit, but I think. Khalif Raymond and Victor Bolden are your two guys that mm-hmm. you're probably playing, paying the closest attention to. And I would say it's neck and neck at this point. I think Khalif is probably the guy that's been getting a little more attention in OTAs and, and minicamp and a guy that they, they're, they're speaking very highly of as well. Um, but uh, Victor Bolden had a, had a really good you know, minicamp as well. So um, that's the one maybe I'm – maybe one I'll, I'll stomach to actually watch during training camp. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be very fascinating because um, that is going to be – it could easily be your your jitterbug in the slot as well as, um, you know, your punt returner. Like the, the, so, and those two guys seem to be the, the leaders in the clubhouse for both of those. Um, I'm trying to see if I can locate it real fast, but uh, PFF put out a stat about Khalif Raymond and his punt returns last year. Like he was one of the top – Guys, and and I I can't find it in my timeline, uh, you know, quick enough here. But, um, you know, I I do think he was getting, he was the one, he was with the ones, Bolden was with the twos, but then again, Bolden looked better on offense. So I I don't think that is settled by any means. I agree with you. All right. Thanks for the question, Daniel. Uh, All right. Always good to kick things off with some special teams talk. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's go to our next caller. Mathis is here. Mathis, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. How are you guys? Good, good, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Um, so my question, I guess, is um, I'm not sure if this has been asked, but, like, I guess what kind of system do, should we expect to be run, ran with um, with Anthony Lynn? Because when you look at his coaching history – He's never really been uh, an offensive coordinator. He was an offensive coordinator technically for one game. That's right. because Rex Ryan got fired, and then he was made head coach for a game. But um, so I get, and he had been, and he, and he worked under several different offensive coordinators while he was in New York Jets. That's under with Rex Ryan. So, like, I guess what do you what do you guys expect? From, what should we expect from him? What kind of scheme is he running? What um, how does he really get the best out of his um, players? What What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good question. And, and you know, I, I ran through, you know, the offenses under Anthony Lynn, whether he was, you know, an interim head coach, offensive coordinator, whatever. And it wasn't consistent, right? Like one year he, he has the, the, the biggest rushing attack. Another year he's, he's got one of the biggest passing attacks. So it, it part of it, I think, is just kind of a guessing game at this point. But I, I, let me throw it to Ryan because I think – um, you know, a lot of people assume it's ju- it's going to be this run heavy offense just because he's a former running back and and it's just kind of the reputation he's built for whatever reason. Even though the stats don't necessarily say he's that guy, but right. but what what are your expect expectations, Ryan? I'm I'm kind of curious as to what you think. I think specifically with Anthony Lynn, um, there I, 
we talked about this before in, in some sort of fashion. Uh, we, you know, we talked about this, I think it was last week, about um, the Lions' identity. Um, right. And, and whether or not the Lions are going to be this team that, um, you know, is going to be determined by the identity of, like, their offensive line, for example. It seems like that's the strength of their offense is, is up front and um, potentially establishing this run. And I think, you know, you, you bring up a great point, Jeremy. Like, you know, in the past, like Anthony Lynn, like, he's been adaptable. And I think that's something that everybody in Detroit has been craving for quite some time. Um, you know, just seeing the offenses that we saw under Matt Patricia, it seemed like it wasn't. It seemed like it wasn't a week to week plan. It seemed like it seemed like the Lions' offensive game plan was control the clock by all means necessary. Maybe take your shots when when you're really really desperate, but beyond that, it's all about ball control. And I know people are preaching ball control with the Lions because they're, they're so concerned about their defense being on the field. But like, let's just look at the strength of this Lions team. I think it. I think it. It's pretty clear that it's the the, the stable of running backs they have with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and their offensive line. So it wouldn't surprise me that the Lions are going to be a run heavy team. Like by ESPN's projections, they they had the Lions running the ball like some you know 300, 322 times this season. Um, now, obviously, that's going to be dependent upon you know. <laughs> what situations the Lions find themselves in. And, and you've talked about this a lot, Jeremy, about, you know, it, it's all great. Projections are great until, you know, the season happens. And then, you know, the Lions are, are down by 14 and they can't afford to be running the ball. And, and they right. need to be, you know, they need to lean on that passing attack a little bit more. But um, I, I think that at the end of the day, I think when it comes to this this philosophy that Anthony Lynn will, you know, um, will present in Detroit, I think it's going to be that of adaptability and where the team's strengths lies. And I think it's going to be something that's going to be like week to week. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that's ideal. And and the one quote, and it actually, I think this actually came from Dan Campbell, not Anthony Lynn, was was focusing on matchups, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Making sure you create the best matchups you can. And the Lions have a couple of, you know, guys that they're matchup busters in, in TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift specifically. And I think those guys are, are going to be kind of the, the front and center pieces to this offense. And what that eventually looks like in terms of an overall scheme is something we'll probably just kind of have to wait now and see. But I would expect those guys to kind of be the centerpieces. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I do think I agree with you guys. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot a bit here, and I'm gonna say that I do expect Anthony Lynn to uh, add in some of the things that made Jared Goff successful in college. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and that means um, bunch formations with receivers. That means uh, different variations of screens for receivers and running backs. Uh, some pre snap motion. Uh, we're probably also gonna see. Um, that run to set up the pass okay but not mm-hmm. just like but like with, with play action but then also in, in, a, in a other variety of ways to try and like utilize um just uh, the expectation is that they're going to lean on the run game and so i think they're going to try and find ways to sell that and so yeah you know get golf in positions where you can utilize the speed. Like they, they added these all these speed guys for a reason. And if you if you right. kind of read the tea leaves on these speed guys, well, what does that mean? Well, you got your outside guys that are stretching the field. Your inside uh, speed guys are going to be um, motions and, and, and slots, and like I said, and screens. And I I, I do think there's going to be um, 
a lot of variation in how they're trying to get these guys set up to create those mismatches that you were talking about. Just to add something else real quick to to Eric's point, I think what's going to happen is Anthony Lynn's going to really rely on that run game to set up these explosive plays where they can get these fast players into space, right? Like, it's going to be something where, you know, Jared Goff is going to have his, he's going to have his chances to take some shots, and that's going to be really the telling tale of the Lions offense this season is whether or not the Lions can cash in on those explosive plays because, a run game can only take you so long and I, I agree with Dan Campbell's like opening press conference talking about there's a physicality to it there's you know there's a um, there's a mentality about being able to run the football but it's one of those things where it is going to be a run game that sets up the pass and, and opens up those chances and opportunities for explosive plays and hopefully the Lions can capitalize on those yeah I think I think in an ideal world they they start facing some eight man boxes probably for the first time since Barry Sanders days uh, and, and then yeah and then have Jared Goff kind of go over the top in those situations we'll see if that's how they can actually if, if they can actually manage that but on paper it seems like it, it might be something they're they're capable of, of forcing the defense to do but Again, we, we've said that before with a, a Lions running game around this time of year. Be like, oh, you know, they just have a, a new exciting running back and added a couple offensive line pieces, and finally it's all going to come together and work, and uh, it hasn't before, so we'll see. All right, uh, appreciate the question, Mathis. Uh, we've gone long on those first two questions, so we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, more of your Lions questions here on Spotify Green Room Map. Stick with us. And we are back here on the Spotify Green Room app answering your Lions questions and answering them uh, to the best of our abilities. I'm here with Ryan Matthews and Eric Schlitt. As always, let's go right back to the lines. We've got Caden. Caden, can you hear us? Yeah, can you hear me? Loud and clear, man. How you doing? Pretty good. I just want to say uh, I drive for uh, FedEx, so... In the morning, your podcasts are great to listen to when I'm driving up in the hills. Great entertainment when I'm on the long runs of the day. And I just want to say thank you to Eric, you, Jeremy, Ryan. I've followed you guys like all year on the road. And I just want to say thanks uh, to all you guys and and Chris Perfett and all the whole crew. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, I kind of have a two-part question. Uh, The first part would be uh with the whole three four defense setup and how romeo and flowers may be off ball linebackers and if more so on the flowers side of things if he's not someone that can cut it in that i know we're not going to stay base three four all the time but if flowers can't really mesh with it do you see him being a trade piece uh like towards the deadline for like a contending team because let's be honest we probably won't be at that point sure uh that's that's an interesting question because i think I think uh, some some Lions fans have showed a little bit of concern of, of a change of position for Trey Flowers and and you know being an, an edge guy in, in in a three four system isn't completely different than than being a four three edge but obviously not having your hand in the dirt um, is, is a change 
and we've seen, you know, a handful of, you know, Patriots guys that, that don't do well outside of the system. So, so I think maybe reason for concern there has a little bit of justification for sure. Um, I'm curious. Let's go to Eric. What what are your thoughts on this? Do you think um, there's a chance maybe Trey Flowers isn't as efficient in this defense and, and might be a movable piece either this year or maybe, maybe after next year? I think the, the, uh, I, I do agree there there is some trepidation that he could be a, a difficult fit. Mm-hmm. But the way that they use their outside linebackers, I believe he's going to be rushing the passer like 98% of the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like he's he's going to be coming just, just because of the way that they design the front. Like when they want to go five wide, they'll use a nose. When they want to stay in a, in, a, in a rushing four, he's still going to be one of those guys that's rushing. Now – if he drops into coverage, you know, it's only going to be a handful of times, you know, in order to keep offenses honest, I guess. Right. But right. I don't think that's going to be something that's purposefully done. Now, as far as the trade piece, the trick becomes um, his, his contract. Right. Because right. he still has about 20 million dollars guaranteed. And because you have $28 million guaranteed and his, uh, his cap hit this year is just about $20 million, you've got a bunch of extra money that you're going to have to uh, absorb, right? So because we're past June 1st, if they trade him, I, I'm, I'm, I need to look at his contract a little bit closer to see how it goes. Okay. 11, $11.2 in dead cap for next year if they trade him. Okay. Yeah. So, so you end up by trading him, you, you're going to absorb a hit this year and then you're also going to absorb, there you go, 11 million next year by trading him. Now, so that's, that's not great unless you're getting, you know, something awesome in return. Right. You're not just going right. to trade him because you're trying to like, you know, shed cap or whatever, like getting his contract off the books. will have some uh, now we'll have some problems now. Keep keeping in mind, if you do trade him, that's twenty three million that comes off and then he has eleven million of dead cap. So you still are clearing like, you know, twelve million dollars. But um, you'd need to get something really good in advance because that that contract is just really rough uh, to, to try and move him this year. And, and not to mention, you know, if, if he's struggling here in Detroit, who's going to be willing to take on his contract, which includes a, a, right. base, a base salary of $16 million for the next two years, um, might make it harder to trade him. And I, I just wanted to address something really quick because I feel like maybe there was – I unintendedly kind of gave people anxiety from reporting from OTAs and, and minicamp because, you know, I think oh, yeah. there was a, there was a snap or two where he did drop into coverage and, and so did, you know, Julian O'Quar and, and things like that. The reasoning for that is because that's kind of the only things they can work on right now. There aren't any pass rushing snaps that they can do in seven on sevens because they don't pass rush. There's no pass rush. There's no defensive lineman. So I think they just use the, those opportunities to practice it because you have to practice it. But I think I'm with you. I don't think they're going to do it very often. Yeah, there was uh, there was one year in Flowers' career in 2017 where he had a uh, he, he dropped back in coverage and had 11 targets thrown his way, 10 receptions. So <laughs> I, I, I don't foresee Trey Flowers getting dropped back into coverage like at all. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. In, in this scheme, you don't need to right. right. Like you you don't have to have. Um, you don't have to have one of those outside guys dropping uh, frequently either. Like, and, and so you can use Flowers as a dedicated pass rusher, like I said, like 98% of the time. Uh, it should be just fine. 
kind of like in the granted it's it was the Matt Patricia defense so it was kind of bad but in uh Devon Canard's role how he was primarily rushing the passer like 90% of the time but when he did drop back he was always targeted either yeah. him or Christian Jones yeah and, and in that scheme that position is supposed to be able to drop into coverage and they just never could. But yeah. And so he ended up pass rushing him. Yeah. Like you said, exactly like over 90%. Yeah. I, I wonder why the 260 plus pound linebackers can't do well in coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. No more of that though. Everyone's cutting 20 pounds and, and not eating desserts with, with their teammates. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to Jelani Tavai for the sacrifices he made this offseason. Uh, thanks for the question, Caden. Yeah, uh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, and appreciate all the, all the support from, from you and, uh, and all the other fans safe, here. Uh, safe um, travels, though. I want to say safe travels while you work for the father yes. of Arthur Smith. <laughs> and hopefully hopefully you're getting around okay if you're in the metro Detroit area where everything is flooded currently. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, be careful out there. Um, our next caller is Dan, our good friend Dan. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing good, mate. How are you guys? Good, man. Good to hear from you. I mean, me too, me too. Okay, so um, I think uh, my question is a little bit similar uh, to Mathis, and I think I, I might have asked it the last time I, I got on, but it's sort of, there's this, it's almost like, um, it feels like I don't know what our, our, our identity is going to be next year. And, and, I, and, it's, and it's almost like when you, when you factor in the five offensive linemen and then the quarterback, what are those five offensive pieces that you're going to put in there? Are you going to put in both of the running backs? Are you going to put in both of the, the fast wide receivers, obviously Hawkinson, and maybe a, a slot receiver? And I'm just, I guess I really have an idea, you know, like I, I sort of think about it in many different ways of what we're going to see. Do you know what I mean? So I, I was yeah. curious because I thought we were, we were losing the panache. Sorry for the flash word, but sorry, <laughs> losing the, the, you know, losing that style of, of Stafford. And I'm really, I, I'm so excited, actually. I, I want to follow both teams because the Rams are going to show us what we could have potentially done. Sure. Stafford and all those sort of, sort of things. But, uh, yeah, I was just curious because, like, our identity, and if, as you guys have said, if we run the ball a ton, we, you know, rather than throwing it, and, and you can't win games that way. But I, I, just, I just don't really know because it seems like our defense... Again, it's such it's all projection, and, and we're in the middle of uh, June, so it doesn't matter. But like, I don't know how many times we're going to be chasing, you know. And obviously, those first four games are the are the teeth with uh, with Baltimore and Green Bay and all that kind of stuff. So that will put it to the test about this new defense. But I don't know. Yeah, who, who do you think we're going to be? Thanks. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. And if I could kind of redirect it a little bit to kind of make it uh, a, a unique question that we haven't quite answered yet. I, I no, I and, and I. This is this might be a, a tough way to frame it, but what what do you guys think will be like the main personnel that we see from like you said you got the quarterback you got the five offensive linemen how are they going to spend those extra five roster spots in terms of like what what's their main per- are they going to go three wide are they going to go two running backs how many tight ends how many how many two tight end sets are we going to see I mean yeah, I, th- I, I, I don't think you can't answer them now no but yeah I'm just curious what you think. Honestly, like if you, the way the NFL is and the way that they've designed the speed to, to try and open things up, I think it's 11. You know, they're yeah. going to play with one running back, one tight end, and, and three receivers. So I expect a lot of 11, but I wouldn't be surprised to see 12 and 21 mixed in there as well because you have two really good running backs and, and two uh, solid tight ends. And you're going to need Darren Fells to be a blocking point in order to yep. free Hawkinson up. So I, I do think there's going to be a hodgepodge of everything, but like most, 
NFL teams, you're going to see primarily 11. And then on defense, you're going to see primarily, you know, sub packages or some variations of sub packages. So I don't think they're going to skew too far away from, from the trends of the NFL because, um, that's, you know, that's just the way the game is played right now, I guess. You, you put speed out on the field, spread things out, and then hopefully that opens things up. Like, you know, we've had this conversation um, when we were doing draft prep, uh, right. and we've talked about the fact that if you can use your outside speed guys to stretch the field, then you're going to free up the slot. And and that's really where your uh, your weapons are. You're going you're gonna to get lighter boxes if you are have safeties. Uh, watching deep, you're going to get uh, Hawkinson and more favorable matchups if you are if you have keep those safeties deep. So uh, it's it's all speculation, of course, but I, I do expect eleven to be the the primary uh, base. Yeah, a cu- couple of things to that that I think are really interesting. Um, some some stats to back up what what Eric is saying. In 2018, the season where you know Todd Gurley had um, an, an awesome season, his, his last really really good year, uh, the Rams were in 11 personnel. 87% of the time when the league wide usage was 66% of the time. So <laughs> that's something that Jared Goff and Sean McVay's scheme, I mean, really was predicated on. But obviously with the identity of Dan Campbell and bringing over the saints, like yes, the 21 personnel, but 22 personnel as well, because hmm. the, Sa- the saints were in it quite a bit in the 2018 season when the league wide usage was only 3%, the saints were in at 7% and they were one of the teams that was best at doing it. Um, now it's going to be interesting to, to see how, how they kind of line that up because you're talking about a couple of tight ends. I think the Lions are going to be really comfortable uh, in two tight end sets, even with the you know the loss of Josh Hill. I think that um, Fells fits in well, um, and I think that he they can at least try to do some of the sa- some of the same things. But it, it, I think it would make a lot of sense because it, I, I think we're going to see over the course of the season that there's only going to be one wide receiver that's going to rise to the top. I, I can't see the Lions. I, I think there's this dream that, like, all these guys with their chip shot on their shoulders are going to show up in Detroit, and Brashad Perryman's going to show out. Tyro Williams is going to show up. Like, I think it's going to be one of these guys. And my my, my money's on Tyro Williams, so I, I can see him being on the field an awful lot. Um, but I think that the Lions are going to try to rely heavily on that run game, and, uh, and they're going to have tight ends in there too. So I wouldn't be shocked if I saw, a, you know, as Eric mentioned, some some twenty one personnel. Ooh man, that that gets me excited. Two running backs uh, on the field at the same time. That and hopefully. We're not talking fullback there, but uh, we'll see. And I, I like you invoking Lions legend uh, Josh Hill in, in your spiel there, Ryan. I mean, right up there with uh, Robert Ayers, you know, um, a, yeah. a couple of legends in Detroit. <laughs> well, well, thanks very much. And just so you know, um, England's not going to draw with Germany and losing a penalty shootout next Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> Love it. A nice, a nice Euro update. Appreciate that, Dan. That, 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 that feels so good because I just started Ted Lasso. And by by just starting nice. Ted Lasso, I'm through the first five episodes because I couldn't stop watching. Absolutely. Great show. You know what? Let's take this question from our chat um, while, we, while we wait. Um, Nick asks, which player from this draft class do you see getting the most snaps this season on offense and on defense, and this is a good one to throw to Eric because he's currently working on our our snap counts from the rookies last year. <laughs> but what about the rookies this year? Who who's yeah. getting the most snaps? Well, uh, I just so this morning Jonah Jackson's went out, 
And yep. Jonah Jackson had over a thousand snaps as an every week starter. Yep. And so uh, you would expect the same from Sewell, right? right? You would expect Sewell to play every snap of every down, uh, every game. And so, yeah, you uh, right off the bat, you think Sewell is going to lead the snap count on offense. Uh, Jackson actually out-snapped um, Swift, Akuda, and Aquara combined, right? That's just <laughs> that's just how much. Like, if you get yeah. a starting offensive lineman, that guy plays the most by far. Yeah. Now, my, I'm currently currently writing Logan Stenberg and his seven snaps, uh, <laughs> which is a little bit harder to do. Um, but yes, uh, I don't think I think Sewell is going to be more Jonah Jackson than uh, than than Stenberg. But anyway, regard I digress. Uh, on defense, though. I think that's a lot harder to say, right? Yeah, because sure. almost everybody is like a part-time guy. So, um, is it is it Levi? Maybe that's kind of where I'm leaning, and not just because he was the second round pick, but because I think he's in a spot where he could potentially start, but he can also be uh, a, a contributor at multiple spots. Uh, I don't think he has a lot in front of him, whereas I think some of the other guys like uh, Malafanu do. We talked last week about uh, McNeil being behind Levi in, in the pecking order of uh, defensive tackles in general. But, um, yeah, I, I hate to go you know, chalk and pick one-two here, but that's kind of what I'm picking. What do you think, Ryan? Well, I, I think first and foremost, we need to acknowledge the accomplishment that Jonah Jackson was able to do last season. I mean, if you were able to outsnap those three players and live through the guard rotation of Matt Patricia, like <laughs> kudos to you, Jonah Jackson. What a what a what an accomplishment! I mean, get a banner, hang that in your uh, in your basement. Um, yeah, and I actually I added to, to Eric's article. He he was second in the entire Lions offense in snaps. The only guy who had more snaps than him, including Matthew Stafford, was uh, was Taylor Decker, who I think did not miss a single snap last year. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, that, that that well, so that's one of the most important things I think of any offensive lineman. And we saw this with Frank. Ragnall when he had a he had a fractured throat for crying out loud but like the durability of this offensive line like that's going to be so important you know and and I, I think this comes back to you know Eric's original point about Tyrell Crosby and why he's so important to keep around but uh, I digress I, I think I think we talked about it um, either last week or the week before but the idea that like Aline McNeil might start but just playing that nose tackle is going to limit the amount of snaps that he can get versus Levi, who has some positional versatility and, and can, can get in there more often than not. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, unless there's, unless there's an injury, of course, right. Then, then maybe Melifonwu steps up, but then again, it's such a crowded room with, it, it seems like Dunbar, Okuda and Oruarie would clearly be ahead of him and probably even Cornell there at this point. Um, what about, what do we think about Derek Barnes? Where do we think he's going to slot in? I, I think like Melifanu, he's got at least two, probably three guys ahead of him at, the, yeah. at, at linebacker right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's going to be harder for him to find the field on a consistent basis. Um, the linemen are in, much, are in a much better spot to find the field early and often. Sure, you, absolutely, yeah. Do you think they'll have sub packages for for him for Derek Barnes? I mean, or is it is it is it going to be mostly just kind of? I mean, we we had our podcast earlier in the week, um, and it sounds like he'll definitely get in on special teams a lot, maybe, maybe full time special teams right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but but maybe do you think they have some sub package roles for him? 
Yeah, why not? I mean, like he can do a lot of different things. Like I think in a lot of ways, him and Julian Aquara can be specialist linebackers in this defense that can mm-hmm. play in very specific situations because both of them can pass rush. And Barnes is a, while Barnes is a better cover guy, I think Julian has the ability to um, develop into a, a coverage guy. I, Barnes and, and Aquara are really intriguing because they can do so many different things on the field. And so why not uh, lean on those guys in certain situations? And if, if we have a chance right now to plug our conversation we had with uh, the Purdue beat writer, Mike Carmen, that was one of the things that really stood out to me, Eric, was getting an understanding of kind of Derek Barnes, uh, you know, ever evolving and changing role while he was in college played like some middle linebacker played some leo so he was strictly rushing rushing the passer off the edge and you know had seven and a half sacks one season in purdue but then moved back to off the ball so like this is a guy who i i was expecting to be like a sideline to sideline linebacker but he has that pass rush ability so why not why not tap into it yeah, no I'd blitz him. I'd blitz him from all over the place. Uh, you know, once he gets acclimated, um, yeah. I think it's going to take some time. But um, yeah, for sure, the, the the talent to do many things is there, and that's why they were so aggressive in, in uh, trading up to get him. All right, uh, we're going to take our break. When we come back, uh, final segment of all of your questions. We still got a lot more to come, so stick with us here on the Green Room, the Spotify Green Room app, as we answer your lines questions. And we are back here on the Spotify Green Room app, answering all your Lions questions as we head deeper and deeper into the offseason, getting ready for training camp just a month away. Let's jump right back to the Lions. Uh, let's see if Ryan is ready. Ryan, are you there? Hello, I'm here. How you doing, man? Sweet. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> hey, man, it kicked me out. I have nothing to do with that. No, I, 100%. We're blaming the app. Good. We're not giving right. Ryan's a bad name out here. Yeah, of course not. We're Team Ryan. I can go support one another. Hell yeah, brother. All right. So my question is, uh, in terms of game day at Ford Field, is there anything that you would do differently than what they do now when it comes to fan experience? Uh, we can't all, like we can't do anything about how the team performs on the field, of course. But in terms of let's say activities that they have outside on the street, or what they do with the video board, or anything field related, I guess, um, like entertainment on the field, halftime, and that, would there be anything that you would change or alter to make it a better time? Ooh, this is a fun question. I'm curious if, if you guys have I – don't, I don't have anything that jumps out to me right away because I feel like I haven't been to a Lions game as a fan in, in, a, in a bit. But uh, does anything jump out to either of you guys? For me, just when it comes to the halftime performance on Thanksgiving, which I think is such a <laughs> – it, it's so important to get that right because it's the one time that the yeah. Lions are on national television and has everybody's attention. Like everybody watches that game regardless of whether or not they say they're going to watch it or not watch it like that halftime performance gets criticized every single year because they they literally it seems like they have to scrape the bottom of the freaking barrel when it comes to talent like why do they have some no-name like pop country singer come and do the halftime show every single year 
Like, good gracious. Like, the, the only time that they even got it close to being right was when they got Big Sean to do it. Like, get there's so many, like, Detroit artists that, like, just give them a platform and let them do it. Quit bringing in, like, these, like, podunk, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, like, this bothers me. Like I, like, I get, like, go ahead and trash my football team all you want. But, like, when it comes to the entertainment, like, can we get Toto? Like, just one year. Can we get Toto to come do it? Like, like lead yeah. into your identity. What what amazes me every year is that there are so many artists that I've never heard of that it's won, that have won Grammys. Because every year it's, it's a Grammy award winning guy I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> it shows you how much the Grammys matter, too. <laughs> right. Uh, what about you, Eric? Is there anything that jumps out to you? You know, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I yeah. get to I get to game day um, four or five hours ahead of time, you know, yeah. and we just go right into the building up to the presser. So um, I have not attended a game in, in half a decade, you know what I mean, as a fan. So I can't speak to the outside of the field stuff because when we come in, no one no, – there's barely anyone else there. Every, the outside stuff is tailgating when we're coming in, right? <laughs> right. Um, but as far as I, I – the thing that you know, I, I like their, um, I like how they have the hype video and stuff like that. It gets a little old, you know, when you see it after Game Four. But, right. um, but you know, maybe they could. Uh, they had to take the they had to take the pyrotechnics away because they caught on fire somewhere. Right? Jacksonville, Jacksonville or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacksonville. <laughs> um, Florida ruins everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I wish they get a little bit more creative, uh, maybe with something like that. But that's not really fan based. Uh, the question was fan based. Uh, so I'm not sure that I can really speak uh, to anything. Uh, unfortunately, it's they they do a nice job I, from what I can tell. But again, I'm not in it. I I have one suggestion. I want them to bring back the flying lion. The little, the little air. What do you call the little blimp thing that they used to have? It was like a lion mascot. And they had a, a, the Silverdome. I don't think they ever brought it to Ford Field. But the coolest thing that they did, and I loved it, and it was one of my favorite things to watch as a kid when I was I was a fan, was they'd attach these like little gift certificates or some like little paper tickets to the flying line, and then someone underneath it would have to catch that ticket in their shopping cart that they were running around, and they wouldn't prize it. Like, there's not really a lot of on-field prize things anymore, are there? I mean, I think they have, like, a, a football tossing contest or something like that that they do, like, at all those bowl games and stuff. But I guess I'd like to see a little more, like, on-field stuff like that. Yeah, my change that I would make, if it matters at all, no, um, I know they used to play Hell's Bells by ACDC on third down. Yep. Uh, I don't know if they still do or not. I haven't been to a game in several years. But to me, that's such a lethargic song to play when you're trying to get at the quarterback. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you think that the players on the field are like, you know, something a little bit more upbeat, more aggressive, something higher tempo instead of like a, such a slow guitar riff. But, <laughs> right. You know, that's just nitpicking. And uh, P.S., I'm sorry for triggering Ryan. Good Lord. Man, I'm surprised those birds are still chirping in the background. I thought they would have maybe been headed south early just to avoid any catastrophe on their end. I could definitely see them replace that uh, song with, like, drowning pools, let the body sit the floor or something like that. You know what I mean? That would match the the opening presser from Dan Campbell, right? Right. Some Metallica, man. Fuel. Let's do it. Yes. Fuel on third down. Well, not fuel. 
<laughs> I guess Metallica theme, but I, mean, I have to imagine he's probably a big ACDC fan too, though. So Hell's Bells might stay. I, I do feel like that's the song that they constantly use. It's just it's the ring of the bell that that gets the the crowd's attention. I guess I don't know. I don't know what the the reasoning for that is, but I feel like that is still what they use on third down. If it's, it's the bell that needs to get their attention, man, they're not paying attention to the game. <laughs> right, right. Well, the, the one thing that they've added on third downs, and this has never made sense to me, is the signs that just have a three on them. Which is yeah. like, why? Like, that's not getting anyone's attention. It's not making any noise. The players aren't looking in the crowd. The people just waving threes. That doesn't make any sense to me. That is like a I, fan giveaway, man. That is what that is. Well, all right. But, like, I, I hate them, but... Get thunder sticks instead. They, at least they make noise. Hey, but, uh, okay, but why are we holding up threes? Don't we want there to be a fourth down? <laughs> like, give the people fours. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that's it. Give people fours. <laughs> All right, I appreciate the question, Ryan. We uh, we went weird on that one, but I like it. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, thank you, fellas. Thank you. All right, let's move to Rob. Rob, how you doing, man? You there? You there? Yeah, I'm here. How you guys doing? Good, man. Good, man. Dude, awesome. Uh, so I had this question last week, and then all the snafu happened. So, like, I wanted to get this out, but I'm not sure. I don't think you've answered it anywhere else, and it's, it requires an alternate universe. So <laughs> oh, we'll talk. Maybe, maybe this will work. Uh, so suppose we live in the actual universe where Aaron Rodgers says, we're done. I'm done. I'm out. And so whether he retires or goes out of the North means no difference to me. He's just gone. The question I have for you is, I know that there have been uh, another conversation where everyone's ranked which team would win the North, and the Lions were not in that conversation. Yeah. So what moves, if any, could the Lions make if Aaron Rodgers says, I'm out, that would vault them into the conversation of being more competitive to possibly win the North? Uh. Is it, is it cheating to say sign Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> uh, yes, that's cheating. That, that's cheating? Okay, well then someone else is going to have to come up with a okay. better answer because I what, don't have one. <laughs> what, what would be more likely, the Lions sign Aaron Rodgers or the Lions put together a time machine where they can go back in time, untrade Matthew Stafford? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I don't really have – like. What is one? It seems like when it comes to any NFL team, like how can you change their fortunes within one year? It's like quarterback. Like it seems like that would be the obvious answer, but uh, I don't know, Eric. Eric, hate to put you on the spot, but is there a better answer? (laughs) No, I I don't. I don't think so. Um, You know, I. I don't think there's necessarily like a move out there that they could make that could put them in the conversation uh, as being the lead candidate. Look, there's a very realistic chance that um, I don't know if you read uh, Andrew Cato's notes from yesterday, but um, the new opt-out clause, there's a wrinkle in it that if you use the opt-out clause, you can keep your signing bonus. uh, whereas Whereas if you hold out, you don't get to keep your signing bonus. Right. So if Rogers were to have, if Rogers were to opt out, he would get like $18 million or something like that. Whereas if he were to hold out, he wouldn't. Uh, it's very interesting wrinkle to uh, add into the Aaron Rodgers thing, but I, I'm sorry. I, let me, I got off the topic there for a second. Um, but what could the lions do? I don't know. I don't think there's, I don't, I think they kind of are what they are. 
And the only thing that they can do is just produce on the field. I don't think there's a move that would make them the favorite if Rodgers wasn't in the division. What What if they were to somehow find a loophole to to somehow get Kayvon Thibodeau on the team right now? Just get him. Just get him out of Oregon. Or are we not being realistic? Is that what it is? We can do mean, it? We're already living in we're already living in an alternate universe. Let's let's, well, let's make it, up our own draft rules. I mean, the the the, the point, overall point being, I think, we, which we can all agree, is is that this team is not one player away from competing in the NFC North. Like, right. it's just not going to happen Correct. with one player. Obviously, if we want to like play around and like just you know throw around unrealistic scenarios, they go out and they trade for Khalil Mack and they get you know you know, some, some top tier corner and, and then maybe, maybe the defense is average or above average. And then you're still probably concerned here about the offense and, and the weapons they have on that side. But um, yeah, I mean, if I guess, I guess maybe the better question is what is one move that this team could make, whether you want it to be realistic or unrealistic, that would improve the team the most. And court, are we going back to quarterback at that point? Like, I mean, honestly, that's the only spot that has that sort of impact, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you get a, uh, you, you know, you get a genie to grant you a wish that your roster stays healthy, and that'll help. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, True. I don't think there's a, like you said, I don't think there there's a player that would make a significant enough difference that at this point in the year, we would be saying they would be the favorite. Well, two things. Let's consider one. Um, Malik Willis, he would change everything. Uh, number two, <laughs> what if the Lions were able to get, like, Derrick Henry? Like, would that help unlock some of Jared Goff? Like, we saw what Jared Goff was able to do with the run game. If he had, like, the best running back in the NFL again, would that change things up? I just feel like that spot. Obviously, you can upgrade the Lions running back position, but it's the one that needs the least the amount of upgrading, in my opinion. Really, of any position, is that fair to say? I don't know if that's even fair to maybe anywhere on this Lions roster in terms of what needs an upgrade the most. Maybe tight end. Running well, back? I, I mean, well, I guess offensive line, if you want. Offensive, like, yeah, I was going to say offensive yeah. tackle looks pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, this is the year where if Aaron Rodgers were to go, this would be the year where the the waves that happen near training camp, I think, would be most important in that scenario because, mm-hmm. you know, if there are some high profile or, you know, high salary cap casualties that happen, you know, kind of either going into camp or getting out of camp into the uh, start of the year, you know, I, I feel like we could possibly pick up a wide receiver that would be an upgrade or, you know, possibly a safety or a cornerback that could, like, get in the mix that all of a sudden could, you know, improve that side or that, that corner of the field. So that, I guess for me, that would be what I'd be watching the most in that scenario. Yeah, and I, I wonder I, if maybe, you know, the Aaron Rodgers news drops and, and the Lions – I don't know if they would view that as an opportunity like, hey, let's go for the North this year. And, and would it be worth it to maybe spend some of the money that they can roll over into next year and help out next year's team in the future to maybe take a run at, at, at winning the division in their first year? It seems like maybe a risk, maybe not worth taking, but but obviously the, the team is going to want to do what they what they can to compete this year. It's just it becomes like a, a weighing, a, a balance thing where do you really want to take a risk and, and, and try to go for it in this one year while the Packers are in quarterback purgatory? Or do you want to just be like, you know what, 
we got to be patient here. It, it's not going to be all about one year and contending. Then we got to we got to keep the long term mind, uh, long term kind of vision in mind. Cool. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <clears throat> no problem, Rob. Thanks for the question. Uh, like again, I like the out of the box questions here. We got a couple more before we get out of here. Let's bring in uh, another Eric this time. We need to get another Jeremy sometime. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, man. Thanks for thanks for joining. All right. I sent it over as a text as well, but let's go with this live. So question I have is Penny Sewell is supposed to be this generational tackle that's come to us. Has there or should there have been any conversation of him going to left and Decker moving over to right? Um, that, yeah, that's a good question because I think I think right when the trade went down, there were people that were wondering whether whether Decker would be sliding to the right. Um, but Decker's coming off a, a really good year, and he really started his career off really well too. And then he had that that labrum tear that that you know he lost three quarters of the season, and then the next season he was still kind of not himself. Um, but yeah, the, I, I think that's a fair question to ask just in terms of value, right? Like you're taking uh, a guy seventh overall, the top tackle in the draft, and you're not even playing him at the most valuable position. Um, is that, is that viewed as potentially a mistake or maybe, or maybe is, is a, is a change coming in the future? I'm, I'm curious as to what you guys think about that. Well, let's think, go. To, go ahead. Um, uh, thanks. I, I was going to say, let's just go to Jeremy's favorite team in the NFC North, the Vikings, and look at where <laughs> Daniel Hunter lines up. Daniel Hunter lines up at left defensive end. So who's he sure. up against? He's up against that right tackle. I mean, we're we're getting to a point in the NFL where the right tackle is equally as valuable as the left tackle, and we're starting to see uh, salaries match up that way as well. And I think Sewell is a. Uh, enough of an athlete that he can make that transition easier than Decker can. Not to say that Decker's not an athlete. It's just he's been showing that he can do it in the NFL at left tackle for several years now at a high level. So I I wouldn't want to you know, shift him over to the right side where there's an unknown, then put a rookie in at left tackle where there's, where he, you know, again, his performance could be a bit of an unknown instead of just like, like, let's just work on one position where we think he can translate, especially with the growing value of that position at right tackle. Yeah. Great point, Eric. I want to, I want to rewind the clock a little bit and remind everybody what happened in 2016 when the Lions drafted Taylor Decker and in minicamp, Taylor Decker was playing at right tackle a little bit because the Lions had who at left tackle? Riley Reef. <laughs> and I mean, that was a much different situation though. Like Taylor Decker was a clear upgrade over Riley Reef. It made so much more sense to move him to his natural position to play left tackle because it was an obvious upgrade. I, I don't know if you're going to say that right out of the box year one that Panay Sewell is going to be an upgrade over a guy like Taylor Decker who's shown you know, over the past couple of years that he's been a really, really good left tackle. And I think it goes to Eric's point, like it's just as important to have two really good tackles um, on your team. And it doesn't matter where they line up uh, because they're both going to be, you know, facing, uh, you know, pass rushers each and every week. So um, I, I think it's a much different situation than when Taylor Decker came into the but I, I guess the question to me is, is, do you think this is something that, that could possibly happen down the line, or do you think the Lions are just set with, with what they're doing this year? I don't think they'll flip them while Taylor Decker is under contract. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so either, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so we're talking... 2024 his contract expires right through through 2024 so i mean you could what that's the opt-out year or, i'm sorry the team option year for sewell 2025 so yeah. um are you gonna 
I, I just it's so valuable nowadays. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. I just I just think it's a, it's a vital position that and and that's why I think so many of us were so high on Sewell because. It, whether it's right or left, it, it, it's a necessary position to to be successful in. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think I'm with you there. <clears throat> Appreciate the question, Eric. Uh, right, something something definitely to to keep an eye on, though, because I do feel feel like there there is an expectation from some people that that a move might be coming. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I think it probably doesn't happen down the line either. All right. Last uh, question of the session. We're going back to Caden. Caden, are you there? Caden. He might be making a delivery. He might be making a delivery. That's a fair point. Are you there, Caden? Oh, I'm on. Oh, shoot. I didn't know I was getting a second shot. <laughs> yeah, you were in there. If, if you don't have a question, that's fine. If you got one, fire okay. away. Um, okay. Uh, spitballing here. I was seeing a... Uh, I don't remember who posted the article, but it was talking about the new faces of the franchise now that Stafford is gone, mm -hmm. uh, Prater's gone. Um, a lot of people think, uh, like, offenses are more the, the – have the faces. And obviously we have Hawk, Ragnow, and Swift. I'd say those three are for sure the faces on offense. Do you have um, an idea on – like or a an intuition on who do you think will be possibly the face for our defense? Hopefully, if it uh, isn't the gar burning garbage pile that it was <laughs> last year. Yeah, uh, that that's a great question. Um, I think my ideal in an ideal world, I think it's Jeff Okuda. Um, the Lions have have obviously been looking for a, a shutdown corner since. Moving on from from Darius Slay and last year didn't go so hot, um, but I think I think when you're talking faces of defense, you're either talking a guy who's intercepting a lot of passes or a guy who's getting to the quarterback. And so, um, you know, take your pick of of who is most likely, I guess, to to excel in those roles. Maybe it's Romeo Quara, um, maybe it's Julian Okwara, maybe it's um, you know Michael Brockers for the first year or two, or, or maybe it's Jeff Okuda. I, I think I'd love to see it be Jeff Okuda. But I'm not sure who it actually will be. That's, that's a really good question that hopefully my other co-hosts have a, have a good answer for. I think when you're looking at faces of a, of a defense, um, you, you need to look at a few different things. Um, who's comfortable putting their uh, face in front of the, 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 the microphone after the game? Sure. Who's, who is um, – you know, confident in, in, in their approach and, and then also who can produce on the field. I, I think this year it's probably going to be Michael Brockers. Um, mm -hmm. But I think long-term Akuda would be the ideal guy because uh, he's highly intelligent, very comfortable in front of the media and he has the talent to, to be a leader. And so, yeah, I, I do agree with you that Akuda long-term, but right now Brockers is probably the leader. Now you could say Trey flowers as well. He's just not as thrilled talking to the media, right? Yeah. He yeah. doesn't, I, he does it. He does it quite a sure. bit, you know, and, and credit to him, but he just doesn't, he seems um, uninterested. And, and so can you be a face of the franchise if you don't really like placate to, to the media? Like, I, I don't know. And, and a lot of the other guys are, are comfortable doing that and enjoy doing that. I mean, like look at like, uh, Glover Quinn, you know what I mean? Like he was 
always there. He was always available and he didn't shy away from the tough questions. And, and that may, and then you add that with his play on the field, that makes you a leader that makes you kind of a face of the defense. Slay was the same way um, to, to a fault almost uh, sometimes, <laughs> but, um, but I think Akuda is a very natural fit for that. I just don't know if he's there now I do think Brockers is yeah. there now, and they'll be looking, leaning on his leadership behind closed doors. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them put him in front of the media more. Ryan, you got a, another guy that you have in mind? Um, maybe a dark horse candidate that I can throw out there. Who I know this kind of runs contrary to being the face of a franchise, um, but somebody who might be like a more lead by example guy. Cause it comes back to my idea of like for so many years that lions defense, like the most underrated or overlooked aspect, I think was Glover Quinn, right? Like having him as that stable piece on the defensive backfield, um, was just one of the more like undersung or underappreciated things. Like why not Tracy Walker? I mean, Eric's not going to say no to that, right? <laughs> Do you remember the first year, uh, with Tracy, like, I could talk to Tracy at any moment I, I wanted because he was he was just available, and right. then all of a sudden he took off, and now get, trying to get a one on one with Tracy is like impossible, right? <laughs> because because the media flocks to him, and and right. so I yeah I agree I think, and, and Tracy is not shy either. Uh, you know he he is uh, very open with the media. Uh, we've talked about this previously that he wears his uh, emotions on his sleeve, and he's careful in his wording, but he is he's not going to uh, try and you know pull the wool over your eyes like he's he's going to be honest with you and so yeah i think there's an opportunity for him to step up as well i have a dark horse candidate uh not of a face of the franchise but just uh what everyone seems to love talking to jamal williams for sure <laughs> yeah on, on offense for i mean He's he's one of the most entertaining guys, and I hope the I hope the Lions lean into him as as much as possible in terms of you know just creating fun content, whether it's video stuff or mic'd up opportunities. I, I mean, I'd love to just have Jamal Williams mic'd up every single week. Give, should, give him oh, his own. I <laughs> give him his own talking for TJ show. That's do, exactly do what, what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a gold mine that they're sitting on, and I hope I hope they realize it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it, and thank you for the 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 safe travels uh, for my work. I yeah. don't live in Detroit, so I don't have to deal with the flooding. I'm actually over here in California, waking up early for you guys. Oh, nice! Got, got a Saturday off for once, so I'm actually able to join you. Cool. Well, thank, thanks again for for tuning in, and, and I, I don't know what it is with all the California people, but we seem to always get uh, a bunch from the West Coast. So yeah, we appreciate you waking up nice and early to to join us on the Saturday morning. We appreciate everyone who joined us for the show. Uh, we'll be back again next week, probably right around the same time, ten thirty a.m. Eastern, on the the Green Room. Uh, the yeah, the, the Spotify Green Room. <laughs> app. Ah. Almost had a good outro there, but uh, yeah, please join us next week. We'll be doing these probably all the way through July. Maybe after that, we'll we'll check and see. But um, if you can't join these, feel free to join our live podcast, which happens on Monday nights. Me, Ryan, and Chris Perfett on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Um, or you can catch them live uh, on replay on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash C slash Pride of Detroit. But until next time, for Eric, for Ryan, thanks for joining us tonight. And we will see you next time. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>